The Total Financial Hour, featuring Arif Halaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach. Protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. Arif Halaby has your answer. Welcome to the show, Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby, your place for safer money options when it comes time to retire. You know, it's kind of like a trend. Every time you turn around, everybody else is doing the same thing, and you say, "Oh, that's kind of nice. It's kind of a, it's kind of comforting when when you turn around. You have imitators. I love it." Uh, coming up on 15 years on the air, Total Financial Hours. Uh, Really bringing about safer money options, safer money choices, some reasonable conversation when it comes to retirement, not this crazy stuff. You know, we think there should be a deviation of standard and, and you go, God, what am I what am I talking about? You know, they send you this thing in the mail called a prospectus, some of these retirement folks, and you sit around and you say, Okay, uh, what exactly am I supposed to understand in this? Uh, look, I'm not saying they're not doing their legal obligation because, you know, lawyers rule the world, right? Especially in the United States. Everything is about suing you to sue you to sue you to sue you. And you think about for a second, they hand you all of these fancy documents and they forget to tell you, oh, by the way, you just gave us permission to lose 20, 30, 40% or more of your retirement account and charge you a fee the entire time. I, I don't know about you, but I, I find that kind of disingenuous. I don't think it's right. It's one thing if I say, hey, listen, if I buy something, if I get something, if the market goes up, if my account makes money, I don't mind sharing it with you. Gosh, I bought that. I, I spent money in, in doing the same thing that I would do at any other place. <clears throat> right? If I'm out buying something from a retailer, I'm expecting to, at the same time, get something in return. Bizarre that I have to explain it like that, Right? Because you're in America, you say, of course, that's the way it goes. Of course, that's the norm. But when it comes to buying things in retirement, whether it be, oh, oh, I don't know, retirement accounts, retirement advice, whatever the advice might be, I think it's a fair conversation to say to the retirement, uh, you, you know, if somebody is sitting there and telling you, look, I am the financial expert. And oh, by the way, I'm going to help you become rich. You go, oh, Jay, thanks so much. Because that's why I'm that's why I'm putting my money with you. They say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to help you become rich." You say, well, "How long have you been doing this?" <laughs> I have been doing this for 16 years. You go, "Wow, that's pretty exciting. You've been doing this for 16 years. Are you rich yet?" You say, "Well, well, what do you mean?" Says the broker. And you say, "Well, the bottom line conversation is, if I am helping this financial broker become rich." through my retirement accounts, how is he helping me become wealthy, right? It doesn't happen in a one-way street. Meaning if this broker sat around and said, hey, I am going to help you become rich. And after 15, 16 years, he or she isn't. And you're going to retire and or be retired for the next 15 or 16 years. You might say, so Mr. Broker, Mrs. Broker, how's that working out for you? Because if your ideas are so grand, why are you still working? And Total Financial Solutions, look, I'm Arif Hallaby. Our job is to do one thing. It's to keep you from being broke. The second thing, 
get reasonable rates of return over time. The third thing is really to keep things simple and easy to understand. That's our mantra. That's our cornerstone. The last thing you want is a confusing, jumbling mess. Because who wins when things are complicated? Not you. Not you. It's Wall Street. Wall Street's job is to make it so it's like the shell game, right? Things coming and going. And and their job, on purpose or on accident, by design or by default, they either made things complicated so at the end you can look at it and say, hey, listen, um, I'm either in the process of growing my wealth or retaining my wealth. The last thing I want to do is lose my wealth. So be very careful. Hey, I want to touch on a few things today. We'll get into to this in the second half of the show. Uh, some of the misconceptions about what you call a normal retirement account. I think you're going to be shocked at some of the studies we found both on CNBC and, and a few other websites when it comes to these investigative, if you will, news outlets that are financially driven. And they will tell us things like, oh, I don't think your return is what you thought it was. I don't think you're getting the kind of money you're expecting to get in retirement. So here's here's what I want to talk about first. Let's get into this. There are things you do not have to buy anymore when you are retired. Did you know that? Once you are retired, you are no longer required, have to, obligated, whatever word you want to use. You no longer have to buy things. Here's number one, retail travel. And you go, well, what does that mean? For a lot of people, when you, especially when you have children or when you're working and you have your two-week vacation a year, so you got to leave on one day and come back on another day, you're kind of stuck, especially if other people, namely the boss, has put his or her schedule, retirement account all in there at once and has left you in a position where you, where you get the crummy, crummy uh, time off. So I want to get into some of these things here, but give us a call first. I want to give you the number here, 866-870-5752. You can get us right here on the air, 866-870-5752, and we'll look at taking your call. If you have a more private question, right? sometimes people do, I understand that. you have a more private question, you can give us a call at 800-990-7344. That's 800-990-7344. That's the direct line to the office. Okay. Hey, let's continue. Retail travel. So what do I mean? Consider flying and traveling in the spring or in the fall seasons. We call them shoulder seasons, right? The middle is the head. That's the time when most people are traveling. That's called summertime. When most people have to take a trip, when most people are off of work or school or depending on the kind of work, especially if you're an educator, right? If you're an educator and you are or or work for a school district, and you are on a traditional schedule, you and everybody else is traveling at the same time called the summer or Christmas break or Easter vacation. So be careful if you're using that as a norm. And because you've always done that, and now you're retired, you think you might always have to do that. It's shocking how many times people are in this rhythm of of things that they're doing because they've always done it. You forget, look, retirement isn't just about, and tomorrow I don't have to show up for work. Look, there's a reason that they say Saturday is the uh, day of the week that you spend the most money. Did you know that? Saturday is the day of the week you spend the most money in in your week, out of your week. Why? 
I think usually because there's a pent up demand of stuff. Oh, I got to get that done. Oh, I can't do that today. Oh, I got to check my watch. Nope, I can't do it right now. I'll do it next week. Oh, I can get it to get to it on Saturday. And then Saturday becomes this runaround period of thing or you feel like you deserve because you've worked hard, you've sacrificed, you've, you've put away or put aside things. And now Saturday is the day. Well, when you retire, you have a lifetime of Saturdays. And if your lifetime is not about having other purpose, then you're going to spend money as if every day is Saturday. So just realize that. Whatever habits and hobbies you have, you carry those into retirement. It's not a, it's not a thing that, that you don't get to carry, you know, that goes away the moment you retire. And flying, traveling during the summer and the peaks at times is one of the more difficult ones to keep because, frankly, in my opinion, folks, you end up in a position where you are paying retail for just about everything. All right, here's another one that I want to give you. When you are flying during the week, sometimes weekends, you might say, oh, I I get to travel on other times, but you have to leave on a Thursday or Friday and come back on a Sunday or a Monday just to get back in time for work. So guess when the least expensive times to travel, to fly. Ready? For domestic airlines, usually Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. That's the least expensive time to fly. Because think about it. If you are leaving a destination to return home, you don't want to leave on a Saturday because you have one more day off. Or if you're traveling to someplace, you don't want to leave on a Saturday and come back on a Sunday. So most people do not fly on Saturdays. When it comes to some of the, the carriers, they're telling you, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, least expensive times to fly. And when you're retired, you can do that. Isn't that exciting? You're retired, you say, hey, you know, I'm going to leave on a Tuesday. I'm going to come back three weeks from now, and I'm going to come back on a Saturday when everybody else is working. Time off, I get to travel. That's kind of nice. Okay, here, if you're going to be flying international, weekdays are usually less expensive than weekends. So international flights, any weekday. Traveling domestically, usually it's the Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays. All right, what about cruising? A lot of retirees, they're known for cruising. Look, you might have a tip. If you have a retirement travel tip, you want to put that on the air? I'm here to hear here to hear it <laughs> and put it on the air. I'd love to hear it because we travel a lot in our retirement lives, don't we? That's part of what we do. 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-KRLA. All right, here's a, another one on cruising. The shoulder season, as it is called, can reduce costs significantly. When do people travel to the Caribbean? Often in the summertime. Hawaii, often in the summertime. But if you're from the wintry parts of the United States where you're just trying to get away for two or three days or a week or two, you might say, I'm going to travel during the, the wintertime. Well, think about this. If you are traveling to a place that is cold when every place else is, is warm or warm when every, everywhere else is cold, you kind of fall in line with the norm, and that's when they raise prices. It's not a secret. But if you can find a way to cruise on the shoulder seasons of the region, for example, everybody wants to travel to Alaska in August. First week of August, try to book that. 2019, maybe you're lucky. But what about the beginning of the winter? Uh, sorry, the this, this summer, right? The beginning of the summertime, you might have a much better chance at it. And here's why. Because kids are still in school. Parents are still 
you know, still worried about their kids or still trying to plan things? Or what about the other side? Now what if you are the last week or two of the season? Kids are already back in school. And it's not just kids. A lot of grandparents are being caregivers of their kids or their grandkids, aren't they? Grandparents are being the primary caregiver during Monday through Friday you know, school hours or after school hours or work hours. So as a retiree grandparent, sometimes your work is not done raising kids. So the same thing applies. Consider traveling at a time. Consider going at a time when you are not going to be the only one um, you know, without kids and you have a bunch of moms and dads running around with their little ones. April, May, September, October are usually the best rates for cruising. Just depends on the region. Okay, here's something else you don't have to pay for when you're retired. Surprise! Car insurance, the same coverage. Remember, when you are working, they count those commuter miles. So isn't it nice? When they're working, they count the commuter miles. But did you know you do not have to Keep the same insurance limits when you retire. Now, hold on before you get crazy about it. Under the car insurance rules, there are minimums. And if you listen to last week's show, man, was I adamant about this uninsured motorist. Now, the uninsured motorist has to have minimums, in my opinion, at least of 100000 if not 250 or more. But insurance carriers will not allow you to have more uninsured motorists than you do with bodily injury. So here's my recommendation. Raise those. Raise them up. Protect yourself. No question about it. But think about this. Call your carrier and tell them, I am no longer driving 20,000 miles a year. I'm driving this car because maybe you have a that, that extra car you've always wanted, uh, that third automobile, right, the Corvette or the Porsche or the little red coupe or whatever it might be. Maybe you're driving the motorhome more. Maybe you're just not driving as far, right? You drive, but just kind of stay close to home. Reduce it to what is more appropriate, 10,000, 12,000, maybe even less, and watch your rates drop. Now, some insurance carriers are really good. Some auto insurance carriers are really good for certain groups of people. We want more people that are at higher risk, Right, you've seen them advertise on TV. We get you an SR, you know, said, well, one in no time. You can get your insurance coverage in no time. Okay, but what I don't want you to do is to keep that same insurance carrier just because you've always had it without doing research. Meaning, you're ready to retire. I want you to shop that insurance company. I want you to go to the the big insurance companies you know. Some of them you may not know. I want you to talk to the body shops in your town. Maybe you know somebody, you respect somebody that's a professional and they work at a mechan- as a mechanic or as a body shop. Ask them which carriers treat the customers the best when it matters most. You think it matters most when you pay your premium. Look, anybody can carry. Anybody, hey, I'll insure you. Yeah, hey, this is the deal, guys. I'll insure you for $20 a month. Oh, great. Print out something. You have insurance. You think it's good. Everything is great until you file a claim. Then try to get a hold of that person. Then try to get a hold of that company. So you need to have customer service. And the reason that I bring it up is because I had a car accident recently, except I didn't even know about it because it was a parked car. 
my car was parked in front of my house. Somebody comes down the street. I was at the office driving the other car. Somebody comes down the street and crashes into my car. An amazing feat because it cost $28,000 in damage. Yeah. Oh, oh, I wasn't texting. I wasn't on my phone, she says. I was just reaching for a drink for out of the cup holder. So after we all stopped laughing, I said, okay, whatever. Fine. Took it to the body shop. And the body shop said, hey, had it been with this insurance carrier, they would have totaled your car, bought you a new one, everything's good. But because you were with this one, they're going to keep spending more and more money up into this really high limit just to get you coverage, to make sure that your car is repaired. I said, but a car that's been in an accident with that much damage doesn't usually drive the same. Body shop owner says, yeah, but we'll do our best. Okay. I think I want a new car. I'm sorry. We're not going to total it, says the insurance company's adjuster. And this is one of the big three. So be very careful. Whoever you choose as an insurance company, check with the body shops in town. Ask them, what carrier seems to be the best? Who treats the customer the best? All right? All right. That's important. Car insurance. You're eligible for low mileage discounts. Believe it or not, if you're retired, sometimes they have other discounts, retirement discounts. So you can actually get another discount based on retirement. All right, so what about this? We've talked about one company. Have you been in the military? Now listen, Geico used to be Government Employees Insurance Company. That's what it was for. If you worked for the government, the federal government, you had you were eligible for government insurance, uh, sorry, government employees insurance company, Geico. Fast forward, things change. They say, we'll accept everybody. They're now licensed in most states. But so what do they do? They have a guaranteed renewal policy for drivers age 50 or older who haven't had any accidents in the past three years. That is very important. You can't have a young driver on your record, but I want you to check with them. I want you to check with AAA. They have some of the best customer service out there. They will usually work with the body shops to fix your car. Look, these folks aren't advertising on the show. I'm just telling you. I prefer you guys are my my customers, not not these folks. If they're doing something bad, I'm going to tell you they're doing something bad. As long as you're at least 55, Allstate could even give you a 55 and retire discount. So you don't have to retire at 60 or 65. It's none of that you know, higher number. You can wait and check later. But if you're 55 and retired, apply. What if one of you is? One of you is still working. One of you is retired. Check around. Check with your, your car insurance guys. All right. Here's another one before we take a break here in a few minutes. I want you to give this. Retail management or active management in your retirement account. When you are retired, your food, shelter, clothing comes from where? Your investment accounts, your retirement accounts. But when you're working, right? When you're working, everything's good. Food, shelter, clothing, where does it come from? Your paycheck, right? So your paycheck stays steady. Imagine if you worked at a company where every week your paycheck could go up or down 5 or 8%. How can you budget? Every week when you're working... You have a 30-year career, <laughs> your, your paycheck. They say, hey, hey, Bill, we were going to pay you $3,000 this month. Now we're going to pay you two. 
hey, Mary, we were paying you $1,000 this week. Life was good. Everything. Now we're going to give you $1,200. You go, hey, that's great. That's great. And then the next week they say, oh, Mary, times are tough. Your paycheck's not 1000 It's going to be 400 How do you live? How do you budget? You don't. That's not how we live, right? What you do when you're retired, when you have your retirement accounts going up and down, you have to remember they're not customized to give you a retirement income strategy that reduces risk so you don't have these crazy ups and downs because you can't afford that. Uh, it drives me nuts when I, when I see the, these accounts and somebody sits down and they say, tell me about your account. When we come back from the break here, I'm going to give you an example of this week's account. Oh, folks, you're going to have to hold your, uh, hold your pen and paper if you're taking notes really tight because this one is going to be a shocker. Where I'm going with it is this. Two and a half years ago, she opened up an account. How is it that, that you don't understand? Because that's what they do. It's not because you're bad or dumb or not that bright. Their job is to take your accounts, put them into, you know, fill out forms. They fill out forms, throw it over their shoulder next. All right, so we'll get into that in a second. So remember, retail management is not something you need to pay for. It's not something you have to write a check for anymore. In my opinion, in retirement world, you got to think ahead and ask yourself, am I paying too much for something that I no longer need? All right, what else? Think about this, homeowner's insurance. When you have a homeowner's insurance uh, policy, it's not just you deciding how much coverage you need. The lender comes up with a plan and says, oh, by the way, this is the minimum because we lent you our money. As a homeowner's insurance company, they're not just listening to you. They're not going to write you a check. Have you ever had a claim, right, a flood or something, and you get a check and it's not just written to your name? You're like, but I just wrote the check to the, to the plumber or to the, to the landscape or to a new wall, right? Remember the earthquakes? Who did they write the check to? You? And the lien holder called the bank or the mortgage company. When they wrote a check to you and the lien holder, you're like, why are these, what's this other person on my, on my check? So you have to fill it out. You send it to them. They sign it. They send it back to you. You sign it. Now you can deposit it. Usually you have to send in receipts, some sort of proof that you actually did the work because the lien holder, the bank, the mortgage company says, this is our money at risk. We're over here far away in another city but we're counting on you to take care of our investment, which is your house. <laughs> See, you guys think your house is your investment. Oh, my house is an investment. No, it's not. It's a place to live. It's an expense. Ask Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? If you take a look at our bio, we were, we were blessed enough to, to kind of work uh, with him in the sense that, that the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, it was called Choose to be Rich back in 2001, they featured our family. We were the, you know, do, not doing well and now doing a little bit better, thanks to Robert Kiyosaki's ideas. And it changed our life. It tripled our income in about nine months. Life, life changed a lot for us back in uh, 2000, 1996, I think is really when we started, 97, 98. And then in 2000, they contacted us. So the infomercial ran for about three or four years under Robert's, you know, his brand. We didn't get paid anything for it. People ask, oh, that's, no. No, it was nice to see it out there, but it was funny to see me speak in many languages because he had it all over the world. Many different languages. And the concept and the book was very simple. Your primary residence 
is not an asset to you. It is an asset, but to the mortgage company. They show up every Monday morning, not going to work to work for the house payment. That's your job. You show up to work so that when when the time comes and you say, hey, uh, did you make the mortgage payment this month? You don't get a call from the bank. So remember, once it's paid off, whose asset does it become? That's right. Now it's yours. So if your primary, I'm not saying that's the right or wrong thing to do. That's between you and your financial advisor and your CPA and all that. What I'm telling you is the facts of, of your primary residence still being an asset to the bank means they control the homeowner's insurance conversation. But once it's just under your name, you can decide, do I need flood insurance or do I not? Do I need to have uh, that much fire insurance or do I not? Do I need to have earthquake insurance or do I not, right? That is your conversation. And the reason I say when you're retired, you may not have to pay for it in the same fashion is simple. Because when you get to retirement age, we're counting on this being paid off. We're counting on big part of your home being paid off, if not all of it. And sometimes, right, some of you are not retiring in California. I know that's a shock. Remember you used to come here for riches, wealth. I'm going to go make my living. I'm going to go make my money. I'm going to send for you. Once I arrive in California, now people are making their wealth and they're leaving California. Be careful. Homeowners insurance, folks, it's not the same kind of thing once you're retired. Ask your agent. Ask your broker. Sit down with an insurance expert, maybe somebody that doesn't have a whole lot to gain, right, and selling you something and say, what is the best kind of plan? All right. That's homeowners insurance. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, some of the use of bond mutual funds. I'll give you an example of somebody this week who came in. See what we can talk about. You're listening to me, Arif Hallaby, on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Hour. I'm Eric Pallaby, coming to you live. AM 870, The Answer. You have a call, give us a, give us a ring here at 866-870-5752. 866-870-5752. All right, look, uh, one of the things we're talking about that you don't have to pay for anymore, that you don't have to buy anymore, uh, for lots of reasons. Uh, sometimes it's because you don't need it. Sometimes you may have never needed it. But certainly it's a time retirement anyway, or at least the preparation for it. If you're, if you're within five years of retiring, we call it the golden 10, and here's why. Because five years before retirement and five years after retirement is some of the most crucial time in your financial life. And here's what I found after 21 years in this business, um, and 10 years before that as an investor myself, for the, for the last 21 years, we have seen a pattern of behavior, and that is... The five years before retirement, you cannot afford big mistakes. You can afford little ones. You can take little risks. You can take a little bit of chance. But you cannot afford big mistakes five years before retirement. Because ultimately, that can derail everything because you don't have time to make it back up. The mantra that Wall Street has used and your brokers have used for years, which is, hey, don't worry, over time, the market always outperforms things. And hey, don't worry, over time, the market is going to make you rich. And over time, 
well, that's nice. I don't have a lot of time, right? It, it took the market from 2000 and from the, from the height of 2000, right? Markets at all time high. From the height of 2000 until 2006, seven, eight, right in that world, depending on where you were, to make all your money back, right? In other words, you lost, but you paid fees the whole time. Market returned. And then we had the, the collapse of 2008. And it only took us until what, maybe another six years, seven years before your market, before your account balance returned. So over time, the market outperforms everything. Fine. If you're 25, 35 years old, you have lots of time. But as you start getting in your 50s and 60s, if you're within five years of retirement, big mistakes or even medium mistakes can derail everything that you're trying to, pl- trying to do. Second thing I want you to watch out for is the habits. The things that you do that you call normal when it comes to retiring and living can be costly. For example, you might say, hey, it's no big deal. All I'm doing is going out and, you know, oh, I I buy a new car all the time. Every five years, I buy a new car. Well, that's nice because your income may may go up every few years or because you have an option. But getting long-term debt in retirement, carrying the long-term debt issues that that life is is, uh, built around, right, that you call normal, refinancing a house, paying for, um, you know, paying down your credit card bills. That all worked when you had a job. You can't qualify for those loans anymore to get yourself out of debt. At least not the same way, right? Because you don't have an income, you're retired. So there are different categories and different ways to qualify. And sometimes people aren't qualifying for a loan. So keep yourself from making a huge mistake there by thinking that you have some sort of, oh gosh, backup plan. No, in retirement, I want you to be a bit more safe. And when we say the retail cost of retirement, because the average investor, I'm going to give you these numbers here. The average retirement account saver and investor really only came up with somewhere in the neighborhood of about, let's give you the numbers. I want to say it's about 5.9% return. So in other words, during the same period of time, the stock market returned about 11.5%. And yet the investor earned about 6 the average, average fund, average equity fund investor, mutual fund investor. For the, for the years ending in 2015, the average rate of return was 9.85%. 9.8%. And the average investor earned just a little bit more than 5%. So where did that extra money, about half, where did that money go? You think, we think, Average Americans, right? We think, don't worry, trust Wall Street. Now, look, if I ask you, you would chuckle and say, oh, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. But where are you putting your money? Your mouth goes like this, but where you're putting your money goes where? Don't put it in the same place where you said you didn't trust. If Wall Street takes our accounts, charges us a fee, and does worse than an account that isn't going up and down, in other words, it, it, it just goes up, maybe not as much. Right? We, we've talked about it. I love it. We're getting hits now you know, on <clears throat> some of the, the other guys that are charging you a fee. They're, they're getting scared, and I don't blame them. Right? When, when we tell you, look, you can get 
three to six on average. You're not going to get huge rates of return, three to 6%, right, over time. Sometimes you might get zero. Sometimes you might get 10. But you're not going to have, you're not going to earn 20s and 30s and 40s. But I don't want you to look at it as just the interest rate. That's what they want you to see. What I want you to look at is how much money is in my account. How much did I pay you since I had this account? And how much did I make? Interest rates and, and prospectuses and, and rates of return with standard deviation and, and uh, the business. Why Some of these folks will come to me and they'll say, hey, I have this financial plan. I'll go, oh, that's kind of nice. I'll thumb through it. I'll say, have you even read this? No. Do you understand it? No. Well, what does this mean? I have no idea. That's them talking. Somebody said this recently, and I, and I was shocked, but I believe it. They said, I think the broker gave this to me to reinforce that they know what they're doing because he didn't seem as confident. Been doing this forever. Fancy suit, fancy tie. But because he was scared, I said, really? What do you mean scared? I mean, he's a broker, man. He's just tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why would he think that I want to do his job? I said, what do you mean? That's kind of weird. I don't think he thought that, did he? I said, no, no, no. Why would he think that I need to have this entire financial plan? Because I don't understand it. All the little disclaimers on the bottom and fine print and then, and then uh, big words that only lawyers required to put down. I said, look, that's nice. If that's what you want, fine. But realize that those fancy financial plans that they put together, you don't understand it and they know you don't understand it. Look, folks, I told you that wasn't going to be popular. But they know you don't get it. So at the end of all that noise and, and fancy you know, percentages and websites and charts and graphs that go, look, look, do I have more money today than what I put in? And how much is it costing me to get this? Right? So, so if, if my account went up and I made some money, Great, how much? And what did I pay for that? And can I lose the money that you put in my account last year? In other words, can you guys take that back? Can it go away? Oh, oh, it can't? Right, you want to know that. Because these things matter when you're trying to sit in your financial life and build a plan. Here's another thing that matters. Ready for this? This is kind of fun. Traditional brokers will use bond funds. We have seen this. People will come to us and they'll say, hey, here's my portfolio. I say, great, well, my job is not to analyze your portfolio, never. My job is to say, which one of these accounts bother you the most because of risk or fees or both, and which or how much of one of them or both do you want to make safe? Away from the risks, away from the market declines. You say, oh, I want this one. This one is safe. I said, okay, well, here's our definition of safe. Our definition of safe is when the stock market or bond market or real estate market goes backwards, goes down, goes negative, you don't lose anything in that account. And when you earn interest, whatever those reasonable rates of return are, it never goes backwards. In other words, if the market goes up, you get to keep some of your money or all of it, some of the interest, all of it, whatever, but you don't go backwards. And they said, well, well, here's this bond fund. So we had to make a phone call. We said, all right, can the person use this money? Yes. If the money is safe, which means a money market account, or if it's out of risk, 
does the firm still charge a fee? And they said, no. I said, okay. So let's back up. When you call something safe, Wall Street broker, and you put money, quote, safe, is it still in a place where the client will pay a fee? Oh, it is. So in other words, I have to still lose, have the potential to lose my money because bond funds can go backwards. Did you know that? Surprise. Yeah, you could lose money. And then people say, but it's not as much. Okay, well, that's up to you. These are your accounts. But don't be fooled by some, by some of these conversations that try to make one account look like another account. They're not the same. They're different types of accounts. Right? Different licenses. Different licenses are required to offer each of these accounts. I'm not going to give you a, a savings account at a bank. I'm not a teller. A teller can't give you a fixed annuity because she's not or he may not be licensed. Right? So there's different different licenses required for different accounts. But where I want you to focus the most is how much money have I made in my account and how much in fees has it cost me? Here's a good example. June of 2015, a client opened an account for just under 400000 It was like $398,000. $400,000. She comes to us and says, hey, I've heard about those types of accounts that you were talking about. I think mine might be one of them. So she shows me the statement. So, well, it looks like it could be. Let's call the company. And that's all I'm asking for you is to sit down with a, a form that has the questions of what, what, what's my benefits, what's my risk, what are my, what are my riders, what are my fees, where does it come in, where does it not come in. Here, here's, here's the conversation. We found out that in the last two and a half years, she has paid $33,000 in fees. $33,000 in fees in two and a half years. And her account has gone up about 31000 Now, her account still went up thirty-one. It's not like she lost that. But basically, about half of the money that came in, the way Wall Street was doing is one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. So who worked for the 400000 her whole life? She's in her mid-60s. Who's worked for that money? It's hers. Why should a broker, I don't know, I'm just going to guess, 38-year-old broker on the other side of the line who was probably still in elementary, maybe junior high school when she was earning this money? I mean, go to an elementary school right now and look around and say, oh, hey, I'm 50 years old. I can't wait for one of these kids to grow up so they can get a piece of the money that I'm working for right now. Right? You wouldn't. You would say that's crazy, but that's exactly what's happening. Your account's job is to make you money. And if they make you money, then they get a piece of it. Are you willing to give up 50% of what they made you? That's literally what's happening. Half of 50% of all of the gains have gone out in, in one fee or another. And when we looked at it, we said, well, that doesn't seem right. Why would that be the case? Why is that okay? She said, I didn't know those fees. They told me it was $45 a year. $45 a year. Look, if you have an account and it has an insurance company name on the top and it can go up and down, then you have a variable account. That means it can vary. The the, the balance can vary. It can go up, it can go down. You might earn amazing rates of return there. But I gave you the numbers already. For the 20 years ending in 2015, the S&P 500 averaged 
5% a year. That includes 1995, right? The great years of 88, 89, the bad years of 0102, the great years after that, the not so great years. All right, 9.85. The average equity fund, not bond, but equity fund, investor earned a market return of only 5.19%. Why do they do it? It's simply because you have mutual fund, bond fund, brokers, managers who tend to buy high and sell low. Towards the end of the year, they do something called window dressing. And that means they go through and they say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to buy. Oh, wait, the end of the year is coming. We want to hold the top winners of the year. So whatever the top winners are of the year. Watch any of your business, um, uh, Fox Business, CNBC, watch any of those business channels. And what do you see? Top performers of the year are X, Y, Z. So what these companies do is they window dress. So when they publish out to everybody, right, because they have to do the, the end of the year publishing, whatever, it's like a snapshot. Whatever they own at that moment in time is considered what they own. So they take a picture of it. So they, they sell one, they buy this one. That's the moment that they have to report. They report, this is who we own. And then the next day they can go out and buy and sell or do whatever they want. It's called window dressing. You see that at the end of the year. Sometimes the market does really well. Sometimes it doesn't. Just who knows. But here's the other thing that drives me crazy. For a lot of people, they forget. They forget the pain of 2008. So ask yourself, if I had a gain that was 50%, right? somebody we met I met this week, a listener. We met down in La Palma, right, by Orange County area. And I said, if you had a 50% gain in your account, a million dollars goes to a million point five. It's a lot of money, folks. 1.5 million. Remember what I said earlier in the show, the five years before retirement? You have to make changes if you have some bad habits because your habits carry through to retirement. If you have good habits, then those carry. But here's why it matters. If you were used to living a particular standard of living and suddenly your account went from a million to 1.5 million. I'm not saying you won the lotto of, you know, 200 million dollars. We would do a lot of things differently. I'm saying this is your retirement nest egg, the most important money you're going to have the rest of your life because you cannot go back and earn it. So if a million dollars becomes 1.5 million, what kind of lifestyle changes would you make? Probably very little. I mean, be honest with yourself. Are you going to fly around on private jets? Right? Are you going to go buy a, a fancy Italian sports car? Probably not. You might maybe give a little bit more to charity. Maybe you'll give a little bit more to your children or grandchildren. But you probably aren't going to upgrade and buy the fancy house on the hill that you've always wanted. You're, you might do a new kitchen. right? You might do something. The point is your lifestyle doesn't change much. Ready? But now think of it like this. Now your account goes from a million dollars down to, we won't even go in half. We'll just say 600,000. 500,000, six, six, seven. Now you've lost 30, 40, 50% of your retirement account. And you're two years into retirement. You're done. You're not working anymore. Your lifestyle was created. This is how you're going to live in retirement. And now 
you have just lost 20, 30, 40% or more. We've seen people lose 50%. What kind of lifestyle are you going to have in retirement? What kind of peace of mind will you have? How will you sleep at night? If your account goes from a million dollars down to 550, 600,000. Look, all of us think we did something when the market goes up. I bought a house for 400,000 and went up to 800,000, right? Over, I don't know, 10 years. And all of us look in the mirror and we go, yeah, I bought that house. Look at how smart I am. <sighs> look what I did. You think you did something. You didn't do anything. The market did it. Otherwise, if you're that smart, why didn't you buy two, three, buy four of them, right? It's the same thing with the market. My 401k is up 19% this year. Wonderful. What did you do? Nothing. I just kept going to work, putting money in, buying low, buying high. We just kept buying. Dollar cost averaging. When you don't do anything, right, when, when it's not an active thing for you to do, then you just kind of go with the tide. It goes up, it goes down. When, you're, when we are on an upswing, wouldn't it make sense to put some or part of your money, take those winnings off the table if you're, if you're so inclined to think like a Las Vegas gambler? Because for most of you, that's your retirement account. You're gambling. 866-870-5752. 866-870-5752. If you have a more private question, you can get a hold of us. I'll give that number at the end of the hour as well, but it's 800-990-7344. All right, here's where I'm going with this. If you are at a place where your retirement account is a part of your future income, then we need to move some of it to safety. You decide how much, half, some, 100,000, start with something. 50,000, it doesn't matter. You can start with something, and by doing that, it puts you down the road of now starting to do things on purpose instead of just by accident. Right? A lot of people are wealthy by accident. I call it accidentally rich. You say, well, well that's kind of nice. I want that accident. No, no, no. Accidentally rich means what? Accidentally rich means if you are looking for something to be very uh, on purpose. In other words, there's a reason. There's a beginning, middle, and end to it. We understand that this happens. We understand why this happens. Then we have to start being a bit more proactive. I have 10 accounts and they all go up. If you have an old retirement account and it's sitting there and it's at your, your last employer, maybe two employers ago, that might be the first one you start moving to safety. Let's get it out of risk. Let's lock in some of those gains. I'm not there anymore. Why should my, why should my money we start moving it to safety. Consider this. When you are moving towards retirement, you have this concept, and, and certainly Wall Street tries to really build this concept of we're going to start diversifying. So oh, I like that word. It sounds like a big word. I'll take it. Diversifying. I kind of know what it means. And you say, well, what does that mean? They say, well, we're going to go from big companies to little companies and little companies to big companies. We're going to move uh, from stocks to bonds to mutual funds, and we're going to move this you say, wow, that's all wonderful. Think of it like this. You all know that there's a cliff coming. I don't know when. I don't know if it's in the next week the markets are going to drop or next month or next year. But most of us know that there will be a decline. You can leave early before the game is over and you've got a great way to the parking lot. You can get out, get on the freeway, you have a fr- smooth sailing. Yep, you missed some of the gains. You did. Sorry. Yep, you did. Or you can wait till the end. 
And now you and everybody else is trying to, to sell at the exact same moment and run to the exits. Right? Everybody's trying to get out. And if you can push and shove your way out the exit first, you're the first one into your car. But if you think you are that important to your broker, where you're the one that they're going to call first, are they calling you and dealing with you on a weekly or monthly basis at least? Probably not. So why are you thinking that your account is the most important thing that they're going to sell or get out or reach the market? So, so you have to be more proactive. That's the point. So think of it. If there's a cliff coming and Wall Street is saying, we're going to diversify from the left front seat of a bus to the right side. We're going to go to the back, the rear, the side. And all you're doing is shifting seats on the exact same vehicle. Meaning, if it goes over the cliff, it might take you a little longer if you're towards the the right rear of the bus and quote bonds, and you say, oh, if it goes over the cliff, at least I'm safe. So, all right, well, you're still going to hit the floor. It might take you a little bit longer, but you will hit. What we talk about is having some or part of your money or all, whatever matters to you, your retirement account in a safer place. We pick it up from that vehicle, move it to a different one. Think of it like a little old-fashioned BW, uh, you know, VW Beetle. Right? That, it's not going to go very fast. It's not going to do quick turns. But what it is going to do is it's going to be able to get out of the way, slow down a little bit. So if everybody else goes over the cliff, it doesn't. Having some or part of your money in a safe place can matter and protect your retirement accounts. And that's what we do. Total Financial Solutions is what we're about. It's uh, so our company name. 21 years now. Seems like it was just yesterday. I've been in this financial world since 1996. Started training June of 96, of all things. Uh, focused on your financial safety. Total Financial Hour is with you every week at AM870, The Answer, right here. But you can go to tfswealth.com. Stands for Total Financial Solutions. tfswealth.com. We'd love to help you. 15 minutes, that's about how long it takes for me to tell you if we can help you or not. Usually a little bit sooner than that, but we can, we can find out if there's an account that works or not. And then we'll keep going. If we can help you, it'd be my pleasure. And if not, that's okay too. At least you had somebody give you a second opinion on what it is or isn't. And we call the companies directly to get the answers. Thanks for listening. Here's our number to the office, 800-990-7344. That's 800-990-7344. I'm Eric Hallaby. This has been the Total Financial Hour on KRLA AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour, featuring Arif Halaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach. Protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. Arif Halaby has your answer. 